0: drum is a calling instrument. It's um, used to call the people and so a lot of times when you are singing, people that hear it from a distance will come.
1: I was called. Back in December of last year during a family day trip to Phoenix when we visited the Heard Museum. It's a private not-for-profit museum dedicated to advancing American Indian art. We just exited the Substance of Stars exhibit. It's this gorgeous 360 degree immersive indigenous storytelling exhibit. When a docent approached us and told us to go to the auditorium to experience in his words, a real treat. The Tsinghua family was at the herd that day and it was a can't be missed experience. I was with my parents and my three elementary age boys And as any mom can tell you, I was incredulous the boys would last through much of the performance. But they sat riveted for over an hour. Miles, my eight-year-old, to get a better view, he moved by himself several rows ahead and plopped himself between two retirees and just sat transfixed, as Moon Tsinqua, the patriarch, Samson Killer, his son, and Colby Afraid of His Tracks, his nephew, invited the audience to share in community their powwow style of song and dance that is a unique blend of contemporary music and lyrics with traditional elements of Hopi powwow song and dance. I think it's the essence of the powwow this gathering of community that really had us transfixed. we were looking into a culture that was foreign to most of us in the room, but the threads that are universal, like love of family, respect for nature, and storytelling through music was mirrored and reflected back on us. I left that performance full of gratitude. I knew this was something special and something to share and pass along to others. In my discussion with Munti, I gained a better understanding of the Hopi culture, the role of song and dance, and Munti and his family, a modern Hopi family, trying to carve a place in society while honoring the culture that raised them. I'm Yvonne So, and this is Decapo Presents, a podcast where we repeat from the beginning with one artist exploring their origin story, the impact of music on their life, and the ways they're shaping the legacy of music for future generations. This all set against the soundtrack of their performance repertoire.
0: My name is Munti Senkwa. I come from the Hopi, Tewa, and the Choctaw nations. I grew up on the Hopi nation, uh, northeast Arizona, about uh, 70 miles north of Winslow. My father is from First Mesa, and my mother is from Second Mesa, from Shingolpavirin, and my father's from uh, Walpi. And so I, was raised as not only a um, cattle rancher, but also a farmer. Um, But on my mother's side, we also um, were influenced by the the plain style of of singing and dancing. So I grew up uh, singing and dancing in the plain style, as well as participating in the Hopi culture.
1: Song and dance hold significant religious and cultural importance for the Hopi nation. For the religious ceremonies, the songs and dance serve as a way of connecting with their gods and their ancestral spirits. These more ceremonial and traditional songs are sacred and tightly guarded by the community.
0: For Hopis, uh, it, it, it's really hard. There's a fine line for for us to actually share um, because information is is really precious and vital.
1: Moonti also doesn't feel like he personally is the best ambassador. Or vessel for these traditional songs.
0: I'm not fluent in my language, so therefore I don't create Hopi songs because most of those songs they tell a story. Um, my younger brother, who has passed, is he? He was a he was fluent, or he was learning still, as well as, um, but he made songs for our ceremonies. But that was, you know, his ability. You know, and he was really good at it. So, and and which actually, my father's brother, um, which is my godfather, Mr. Uh, Carl Sinqua, he's actually a phenomenal song maker for our societies as well. Again, you know that they, they choose not to record. You know, the, those are used for ceremonies.
1: Mm-hmm. So there's something like more. It's more sacred. This is not. It's not yeah. a form of yes. entertainment. It's more sacred.
0: Yes. Okay. Yes. And that was something that I had to deal with as well as an entertainer and as a Hopi, as, an, as well as an indigenous person because we're all taught not to hold ourselves up or talk about ourselves. So I had to find a way of um, sharing of who I am and what I do without gloating or trying to hold myself up.
1: What know? Munty does share with us is a hybrid form of powwow music, one that honors the history and traditions of First Nation cultures, while weaving in his own personal journey and musical influences.
0: With the powwow singing that we're doing, it's a social form and a contemporary uh, form of singing. So, I think up to this point, I've been very fortunate as an artist to have come this far with my teachings to be able to share it in all these different mediums. As a musician, as an artist, as a singer, a dancer, flute player, uh, bead worker, a producer of music, as well. Um, these are uh, some of the things that I've just been blessed to be able to do and create.
1: Mm, offer. That's interesting. Can you talk a little bit about all the 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 career changes that you had and what prompted them?
0: I didn't finish high school you know so I I got my GED but I was still apt to learning you know I, I was just I wasn't in the classroom my head wasn't there so as an entertainer I was fortunate enough to travel with a band Keith Sokola and the Wild Band of Indians we would tour Europe at, um, four or five times a year and so um, through Keith Sokola, I uh, kind of was educated on the world stage, as well as learning how to produce music. I'd be riding two ships, and one ship would be pulling ahead of the other one. So i said, well, I think I'm going to leave this ship and jump to the next ship. And so that was what I would change from first as an artist, bead working, then I went to music. And then I went working at a a job at the Hyatt, at the Gainey Ranch as a cultural interpreter, which that actually helped me uh, produce music as a flute player, as well as producing music, uh, traditional music, um, as well as some contemporary music. And that change really helped. And then when I changed from that and decided I needed to take my sons back to the reservation to the Hopi uh, nation, to let them experience what I was talking about the way I was raised and I chose to jump off and become a solo entrepreneur and, and I just dove into music as well as uh, entertainment and so um, that was kind of what happened and so all of these things are still, I'm still working at, um and producing a lot of these things. Yeah, oh, hey, oh.
1: Drumming, the primal beating on raw hide stretched over wood, paired with this guttural chanting and singing, is an example of Moonti's hybrid sound.
0: Um, and again, they're very different uh, styles of singing. The direction I chose was to mix the northern and southern style of powwow singing. So we, so we are singing a northern style of singing, mm-hmm. but. We're singing it deeper, more guttural, so it's a, a more of a southern style of of the northern singing. And, and and the only reason I chose that was because I could carry my voice longer mm-hmm. by not singing so high. If I sing real high, my voice goes out really quick. The sound is, uh, yeah. You, you know, we just grow up doing it, and, and and songs just come. They just come to you and you sing them, I think by the time you get to singing them with that intensity and that that volume, then they actually become something even different, you know, so it becomes huge, you know, because when it comes to you, it's prob- it doesn't sound sometimes that huge, but when you get a lot of guys singing that song, it becomes really big. And it's a lot of emotion because what yeah. you are is, what you're doing is actually showing an emotion and a lot of songs, a lot of singers, when they are making a song, are pretty emotional when they're making those songs. And, and sometimes, like personally, the um, song's really emotional for me. When it comes to me, it's hard for me to sing when I first start to sing, till I get real comfortable with it.
1: This is something Munti reiterates in his performances. When I saw the Sinqua family perform at the Herd, it was obvious in each performance that they were sharing something special.
2: As a musician, I think it's um, very important to uh, keep our music alive. Uh, Music is love, and music is what we share from the heart.
1: Love that they're sharing on a bigger platform. Now the Phoenix Suns are featuring their drumming and singing at our home games. A couple years ago, after the Suns changed their jerseys to honor First Nation tribes, Samson, the son, was commissioned by the franchise to make their powwow drum, a gigantic three foot drum that easily accommodates ten singers.
0: Samson did all the all the late work and got all the materials together and all you know all the paperwork and it it was a task because the timing that we were dealing with was just after the pandemic where it was just kind of coming out of it. So a lot of the materials that we were used to getting, some of those businesses couldn't get those materials that we needed or the prices skyrocketed. It was an effort on Samson's part to actually get all of that, everything together, but he did, we made the drum, he did the artwork, both sides, he painted both sides of it, phenomenal job. So we've actually been singing at the home games um, at the beginning of the games with their, with their drum group is called the wild medicine singers.
1: Here Samson talking about the significance of the experience to him. Yeah. And it's cool. I
0: get to bring everybody, all the bros. Uh, so we get to experience it together. Um, we have a few more this season and next season, they're talking about having us open up every home game for the Phoenix Suns and Whole cool experience get getting to uh just be on the court. The drum's so big. There's about ten of us this last time and no problem with everybody sitting around it. Still room for room. Yeah, there's night. still room so
1: exemplifies Moonty's hybrid style more than his flute compositions. When you're playing the flute, and then you get all like Barry White on us, and you start with your, <laughs> yeah, baby, yeah. <laughs> so talk about how you mix all that.
0: You know, it's um, just like anything else, it was uh, with growth. Uh, I've always been inspired as well as influenced by a lot of great people as well as great music, not only our traditional music, but the music you just hear every day, you know? And so, um, and, and and some of my uncles that were actually the ones that kind of turned me on or opened my eyes to the music. It's a feeling, you know, things change as, as we grow. And, and, um, I just feel that that was, the feeling that was coming out with that music.
1: Of course, there also is the traditional context.
2: Because long ago, this was a courtship instrument. If a young man liked a young woman, he would make a flute, create a song and play it outside of her home. If she liked him, she would come out and she would talk to him. If she didn't like him, she'd throw rocks and sticks at him, <laughs> tell him to go away. So, long ago... On on the Navajo reservation, I'd be playing outside the Hogan. On the Hobie Reservation, probably be playing outside the, the Peaky house. Um, here in the valley, probably be playing outside the apartment complex. But again, this is a courtship instrument, and so I've taken um, the music and then I've added some lyrics to it. So I hope you enjoy my version.
1: Blues. blues influences also make it into Muntee's music. Love Sick
0: Blues is like a, a round dance, but it's all more of a, a blues beat. It just tells a story of love ache uh, and hardship, you know, heartbreak. And, so it's a, a modern blues song, but it is an actual older round dance song that I grew up um, singing with my uncles and and. Other people at the 49s when I was growing up and that would be a thing that they would have after the powwow. I'm now 57 and I picked up the hoop dance uh, within 16 years when I turned 40. And so the hoop dance has really helped to elevate me and, and, and so I really created a new me through hoop dancing. And so with that.
1: This is another non-traditional transition for Moontee. In a culture that reveres passing down tradition, hoop dance is being passed up to Moontee. They both learned, both Scott
0: and Samson learned from a good friend, um, Quentin Pipestem coming from Alberta, Canada, uh, from the Blackfeet nation. and He was a world title holder back in 92. Um, he held the title at least three times. It wasn't until I turned 40 that I actually picked up the hoop myself and started learning as well. So not only did I learn from Scott and Samson and Quentin, but all the other um, dancers that were out there were pretty encouraging as well. I think it's, it is pretty unique when you do have a someone older learning um, within the family, you know, it's again, being passed instead of being passed down as passed up. So I'm pretty blessed, you know, just because these guys, they can do it in their sleep. I mean, they they can do it without even without thinking about what they're doing because they've they've done it their whole lives, you know, as to where uh, for me, I have to practice and practice and practice and practice just to be comfortable with with what I'm doing.
1: I think this is another example of Moonti's shunning self-promotion He obviously has a knack for hoop dancing, as he himself has captured three senior world titles for hoop dancing since he started 16 years ago. If you've never experienced hoop dancing, it's an acrobatic feat that involves creating organic shapes with hoops, all just a bit smaller than hula hoops, but still wide enough you can slip your body through. And this is all choreographed drumming and singing. It's beautiful and thrilling to watch, and just a real treat for your eyes. And as tradition has it, for your soul and your body.
2: This dance that he's gonna share with you is a healing dance, it has many origin stories depending on where we're coming from as indigenous people. But in the southwestern part of the United States, many of us are taught that this comes from the Taos, New Mexico area. And it was a healing dance that a little boy would do with one hoop, and many people would come visit from miles around to be healed. Every time he passed his body through the hoop, the boy was to be adding a day, a week, a month, a year, onto the sick individual's life. The other children in the, in the village, saw the dance, went down to the water, made their own willow or reed hoops, and started to mimic the dance. The elders, instead of discouraging them, they encouraged them. They told them to continue to make the hoops, to continue to do the dance, and to continue to help to heal people. And so we like to take this dance throughout the world because many people do need healing whether it's a natural disaster or a man-made event. Many people do not share the conveniences that we have here in our beautiful country. So in this dance, you have to use your imagination. You're going to see many things of nature. You might see the sun, the moon, the earth, a hawk, an eagle, an alligator, a cow, and a horse, A butterfly, a basket, you might even see Mickey Mouse.
1: That (laughs) day at the herd, Samson performed first. You can hear the fatherly pride its Moon Tea introduces him. So,
2: this dance, this next dance that we're going to share with you, is the world champion. He's a Prairie Chicken Dancer. The Prairie Chicken Dance comes from the Blackfeet Nation in Alberta. But he's one of the top dancers, not only in the U.S., but also in Canada, in the Prairie Chicken Dance. He's also a Fancy War Dancer. One of the top Fancy War Dancers in the U.S. as well as Canada. he close! he dancing.
1: All his football coaches loved him. <laughs> As Monty's other son Scott explains, what constitutes great hoop dancing boils down to style.
0: For me, I, I like uh, the dancers that have their own style and aren't afraid to do their own thing. When we were younger, we were given a kind of a basic routine, and from there we kind of just stemmed off. And although we, Samson and I still do this, the basic moves from the beginning, traditional moves. We added a lot to it, and it's, I guess, more of our personal growth. And you see that within a lot of the other dancers as well. So it's nice to see them trying new things, expanding their own dancing as well as their own hoop dancing. There's a lot of phenomenal dancers out there, but I I think my favorite ones are the ones that are actually already dancers in the powwow. Because most of those kids grew up already dancing around the, the drum. So it's like already ingrained in them. The beat, they already have their own body movements when they pick up the hoops. Those body movements are incorporated and those styles of dance are also incorporated within the hoop dance. So I think that's the real explosive part of it, you know, and and just being the timing and everything is so, so on. It's just, it gives you chills watching some of those dancers like that, you know, and then there's the ones that just hoop dance, but they're, to me, they're like magicians.
1: Regardless of style and dance background, Munti reminds us that dance, just like song, is an expression of emotion.
2: For all, for everything and everyone we're taught that when we sing and when we dance, we're not singing or dancing for ourselves. We're singing and dancing for those who can't dance, those who want to dance, but most importantly, all of our ancestors and the ones that Carrying on the things that we are able to share with you here today and I think a lot of times that energy Samson is such an emotional person a lot of times he, he, he you know he feels that and a lot of times he carries that and I think that's um, an attribute you know because he, he carries that emotion and so it's a real thing that he's doing it's not something that you know he just does just just for entertainment. And this is something that came from his heart. So let's give it up again for Samson.
1: When it was Moonty's turn to perform and Samson had the mic, it was fun to see the father son dynamic at play again.
2: If you see a it drop, it's all right. It's just to show how durable the hoops are. <laughs> To, uh, we have to do at least one drop during the show. Just kidding. But again, you have to use your imagination to see the many formations of life, see plants, animals, and moon, the stars. But just in case you see him rolling around tangled up in his hoops, don't worry. I created that move. It's called the Fallen Warrior. <laughs>
1: Moonti's performance was riveting. His energy, his agility, his speed. It's no wonder his performance was met with a standing ovation. <laughs>
2: No wants to know if he's tired. <laughs> Who wants to see him go faster? He <laughs> said give him a minute. But again, let's give him another big round of applause.
1: Part of what made the performance so special for me was watching these tender father-son moments where Moonti can't contain his pride for his son and Sansom riffs on his dad. I brought this up to Moonti when we spoke for the podcast. His response was a bit unexpected and exposed a deeper context for why leading with love is so important to him. But then also just to see the familial love like in the performance because you were there with your nephew Colby and your son Samson, it's just... Seeing, seeing all the family love was just was really beautiful for me as well.
0: Well, thank you. You know, I, I, I think that I'm very fortunate to have been able to to see that cycle. You know, when um, and that still happens in our people reserves and, and reservations. That love is still trying to come back into our families just because of the way that the people were um, forced to live in the um, boarding schools. In the reform schools, so I do I, You know, it's a big change, but I just feel blessed to have at least in the cycle, one of the cycles, and to do to my, do my best to to remind myself to not be the way, or or at least put love back into our families, and and that's what I try to express to a lot of people when we're out there. Is try to show that and my my great grandparents, who I grew up with my grandparents who i grew up with they were um they were forcibly sent Um, they told me stories my aunts my uncles my parents they didn't have to go to the boarding school i went to a boarding school but it was my choice Mm -hmm. so it was way different by the time i was in the boarding school it wasn't a military style school anymore and we didn't have to shave our hair off or forced to not speak our language because there's a lot of other students speaking their language.
1: For historical background, these boarding schools that Moontie references were run by the U.S. government in the late 19th and early 20th centuries, and they were designed to forcibly assimilate indigenous children into white American culture and suppress their cultural heritage. It's a disturbing and ugly history, and one that I honestly didn't feel like it was my place or the platform to prod Munti further on. This history further exemplifies the importance of the upcoming 33rd World Championship Hoop Dance Contest, taking place at the Heard Museum on February 18th and 19th. It exemplifies the spirit of powwow, bringing communities together and reinforcing our sense of unity and social cohesion.
0: It's like a big um, big family reunion. You just get to to um, visit and spend time with all the hoop dancers because I think it's a, it's a unique group of people you know, and families. It's because it is a, a lot of the way the dancers look at the dance. As a healing aspect, they consider themselves helpers, you know, to heal. They're trying to do things in a good way, you know. And so a lot of these people are really, really good-hearted people. You can just see it in their families. You can see it in the way they carry themselves. So it's, it's, it's a really good time. I guess the unique thing about it is that we're actually able to take what was just a healing dance and a unique dance and make a contest out of it because all these things at one time weren't illegal for us. To, to do, to sing, to dance, uh, do any of the beadwork, any of the artwork, speak our languages, leave the reservation. So this, so this is, I think, is a, a pretty unique medium to actually uh, share the beauty of song and dance that um, our people struggled so hard or our ancestors struggled so hard to hold on to for us.
1: Thank you for listening to this special podcast episode of DeCapo Presents for the Arizona Daily Star. Please visit Tucson.com for the accompanying article. This episode was written and produced by me and recorded and sound edited by Shen. Please thumb up our show and subscribe on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.